Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn it to Judges, the sixth chapter. We're going to have a good time today. We just turn to the person next to you and say, it is so good to see you. Did you mean it? Yes. <laughs> We're starting a brand new series today called Big Problems, Bigger God. Somebody say, Big Problems, problems. Bigger God. God. You got big problems? I got a bigger God. I got a God that's bigger than Tim. That's pretty big. Big problems, bigger God. And I asked you to turn to Judges, the sixth chapter, but before we get there, I want to just read one verse to you from Psalm 139, verse 7, where the psalmist says, where shall I go from your spirit? Think about this. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? Somebody say, I I can't go nowhere. He's always there. You need to keep that in your mind. He's always there. Say it like you mean it. He's always there. Now let's go to Judges, the sixth chapter. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. How many of you understand that the quality of your life will be determined by the quality of whose hand you are in? I want to say that again for those of you who are in the back. Maybe you didn't hear it. The quality of your life will be determined by the quality of whose hand you are in. The hand of God is a hand of blessing. It is a hand of favor. It is a hand of Provision, his hand is a hand of protection. The psalmist says that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we talk about the right hand of God, we are talking about the authority of God. So in other words, those that live under the authority of God will experience the blessings of God. The psalmist also says, my soul follows hard after thee and your right hand upholds me. So when I am walking with God, he's walking with me and he is upholding me. But if I am in the wrong hand, I will not experience his blessing. I'll experience oppression. And that truth right there, as simple as it seems, really has a lot of layers to it. And to fully understand it, sometimes we've got to peel back the layers and get to the very bottom of it. Because some of you think, well, I'm okay. You know, financially, I'm doing good. My marriage is good. My kids are good. They're doing good in school. I'm all right without God. But you don't really fully understand that truth. Because although your flesh may seem to be prospering, that does not mean that your soul is prospering. And one day your flesh will wear out, but your soul will live forever. Did you know that? 
You were created to live forever somewhere. You will either live forever in the presence of God or you will live without the presence of God. They would call that place hell. And many of us have a misconception of what hell actually is. As a matter of fact, if I were to ask you some questions, many of you would give us the wrong answer. Like if I said, who ruled hell? Who rules over hell? Some of you would say the devil. Did you know the devil does not rule over hell? Hell hell is not the place to where, like, if you think like him and act like him, you'll get to go party with him forever. Hell was created for him, not by him. Hell was created as a prison where he will experience eternal punishment. And as a result, those who do not put their faith in Christ, because of the consequences of their sin, they will live in that eternal punishment forever as well. You know, it's, it's not like, oh, well, man, I, just, I love Metallica and stilettos. <laughs> I mean, I don't personally like stilettos. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we think like, oh, man, hell's going to be awesome because everybody that's fun is going to be there and all the prudes are going to be in heaven. You've missed the incomplete idea of what heaven and hell is all about. So what I'm saying is just because your flesh may be prospering, that does not mean that your soul is prospering. And the only way for your soul to prosper is to be in the right hand. So the person next to say, I've got to be in the right hand. So verse 3, it continues to say, For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Verse 7. When the people of Israel cried out, to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Verse 11 says now. Somebody say now. Now. See, while Israel is crying out about their problem, God already is working on the solution that he has prepared. That's why I want you to see that now at the same time they're crying about, out about, about the problem, God has already got the solution in motion. Verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Asbari, or Abbi, Ab, whatever it is, while his son Gideon was beating out. You know, I, I did it right in practice this morning. <laughs> Edit. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abbi was right, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Ask the person next to you, whose hand are you in? Whose hand are you in? When we talk about big problems, bigger God, we have to understand that there are a variety of problems that we have to deal with in this life. We will have to deal with emotional problems, mental problems, physical problems, financial problems, phone ringing and service problems, <laughs> spiritual problems, and relational problems. And we could keep on going on with the list. How many of you have 99 problems? <laughs> we could go on with this list of problems. It's, it's a part of life. We all have problems. If you have never had a problem, I want to talk to you after church because we want to work out this transition to where you can become the leader of the church. We all have problems. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got problems. Now wives look at your husband and say, I know I'm sitting next to it. But what I want you to see is although there are a variety of problems, those problems can really be narrowed down into two categories. On one side, we have problems that we create. On the other side, we have problems that find us. So we have problems that we create, and then we have problems that find us. A problem that finds you is something that you had nothing to do with. It's not your fault, it just happened. Somebody say, it just happened. The other day, Sean, who is our student director, Randy, who is our worship leader, and myself, we went to Home Depot to get some things for the church. And when we got there, I found the parking spot that I wanted, and I used my rear assist camera and my huge side mirrors to back into my spot. And when I come into a spot, I like to be in the center of the spot. I like there to be even amounts of space between me and the line on both sides because I'm a decent human being. So after I do a perfect parking job, we go into Home Depot, we get the stuff, I help carry it because I'm a decent human being. We go, we pay for it, again, because I'm a decent human being. And when we get out into the parking lot, there is a lady next to my car with her car parked in a very weird angle. She is parked in a strange angle because she has decided to ram the front end of her car into my perfectly parked car. I don't know how she did it. 
That was not a problem that I created. That was a problem that found me. I had nothing to do with it. It just came. And how many of you know things like that happen? It's called life. Somebody say, it's, a, it's called life. Life happens. There's another way to say that. Right now I'm debating. <laughs> Part of me says, do it, Arm. Worship pastor said, don't. So uh, I won't. I'm just kidding with you. Life happens, though. Can, can we all admit life happens? Sometimes problems find us. Sometimes the problems that we deal with are spiritual. Now, it's important for you to listen to this part because I do not believe that there is a devil in every doorknob. Not every problem that you face in life is a spiritual attack, but sometimes it is. And sometimes the problem you're dealing with isn't because you're doing something wrong, it's because you're doing something right. If you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through Scripture, they have to deal with the fiery furnace not because they did something wrong, but because they did something right. They decided they were not going to bow to culture, so they got thrown into the fire. Thank God we serve a faithful God who went in there with them and rescued them. If you look at the story of Daniel, he ends up in a lion's den. Not because he did something wrong, but because he chose that he would honor God and please God over man. And so he goes into the lion's den. That's a problem, but God rescues him from it because God is faithful. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is faithful. Sometimes problems come to promote you. It's important for you to understand this. Sometimes problems come to promote you. It is not there to hurt you or to harm you. It is there to move you forward in your purpose. If you look at the story of David and Goliath, David was a shepherd boy who faced Goliath, who was a huge problem. But as soon as he brought Goliath down, he becomes a national hero overnight, and he is set up to become the future king of Israel. That problem was not there to destroy him. That problem was there to propel him. So it's very important how we view our problems, because many times our problems are working for us. That's why the Bible can say, all things are working together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because if you're walking in his purpose and you are in his hand, even your problems work for you. We don't see that in the midst of it. But sometimes we can get on the other side of the valley and look back and go, wow, God really was faithful, and he used that moment to get me where I am now. And although it was painful to walk through, I would not be where I am now. I would not know what I know now. I would not have what I have now unless I would have walked through that problem. Turn to the person next to you and say, sometimes you have to walk through the problem. So those are the problems that just find us. Sometimes life just happens. Sometimes it's a spiritual attack. Sometimes God allows a problem to promote us. But then sometimes there's a problem that we created. And I think the majority of the problems I have dealt with in my life, John, are the ones I have created. There's no one else to blame. I like to point fingers at other people, but the bottom line is I did it to myself because I decided I was going to do it my way. A perfect example of that would be the prodigal son. He goes to his dad. He says, Dad, I want my money. I want what's coming to me. 
His dad gives him the money, allows him to leave the house, and as the kid goes, he's no longer under the authority of his father. He's no longer under the rules of the house. He gets to do life however he wants. He gets to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And the Bible says that he goes out and spends everything that he had on riotous living. He's partying. He's having a good time. He's making a lot of friends because how many of you know money will buy you friends? The quality of that friendship, not so good. Because as soon as the money's gone, they will exit your life. You need to know some people are only with you because of what you can do for them. That's a completely different message. But some of you are allowing leeches to pull on you that you need to cut off because they're not there for you. They're there for what they can get from you. Bless them, Lord. So he spends all on riotous living. Somebody say riotous living. I don't know what that looks like, but I'd like to try it sometime. You know, the Bible says sin for a season is good, right? No? No, I thought so. I was about to see, how long of a season can I get, sister? I'm just kidding. But there's riotous living. He spends all. Now he's broke. He has no friends, and he finds himself in a pig pen. And while he's in the pig pen, he's eating pig slop. Now get this. The situation that he has found himself in is not because his dad does not love him. The situation that he is in is not because his dad is a bad dad. The situation he is in is because he decided to go his own way. He left the authority of his father's house. That's what's going on with Israel in Judges, the sixth chapter. They are in this problem because they created it. They walked away from God, and because they walked away from God's hand, the hand of Midian is now on them. The hand of oppression is now on them because they walked away. Somebody say, they did it. As a matter of fact, when they cry out to God, God sends a messenger and says, basically, paraphrasing, you brought this on yourself. That's why... As we walk through the different kinds of problems, we need to be able to discern what kind of problem we are in. Because if we are in a problem that has just happened to us or a problem that has found us and we're walking with God, then we can have confidence that God is going to bring us through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not fear any evil. Why? Because God is with me. God is faithful. God is working everything to my good. So this problem will strengthen me. This problem will promote me. This problem will benefit me because God is with me and I am with him. And if I am in his right hand, he is upholding me. And that hand will protect me. That hand will provide for me. That hand will lead me. That hand will guide me. Are you with me this morning? But if I have done it my own way and gone my own way, the only way I can solve that problem is to turn back to him. Because God will not bless your mess. I want to say that again. God will not bless your mess. Some of you have perpetual problem because you are praying to God to bless something that he will not bless. There are certain relationship scenarios that God is just not going to have anything to do with. He's not going to bless it. If I'm cheating on my wife 
And I start praying, oh God, I'm asking that you would help me through this situation. And Lord, just connect the heart of me and my, this other lady. That's not, a, are you following what I'm saying? I mean, that's taking it to an extreme. But many times we live our own way, and then we want God to put his stamp of approval on it. And when he doesn't, we think, oh, what happened? Is God with me? Like, Gideon, where are you, God? I mean, you brought him out of Egypt. Now we're in oppression. Maybe you don't love me. No, I brought this on myself. And it is God's mercy. Hear what I am saying. It is God's mercy and kindness to not bless your mess. Because your mess is taking you to destruction. And so the problem is there not to harm you. The problem is there to turn you around. Again, it's working something for me. God loves me too much to leave me where I am. And so he will do anything to pursue me. He will do anything to turn me around. And as soon as the problem turns Israel's eyes back to God and they cry out, God is already working on their behalf. That's what I love about God. That's what I love about God. While we're in the middle of the problem, he's already got the solution. As a matter of fact, before the problem even occurs, the solution is already there. When I was a kid, we used to do big dramas at our church, and the stage of the church, it was very large, and it was in three sections. So you had like a backstage, a midstage, and a front stage, and each stage had a curtain that separated it from the next, which was great for productions because you could do different scenes. And while a scene was happening out front, you could change the set in the middle or change the set in the back for everything to change around. And so while the actors are out there playing out their scene, there's somebody behind the scenes setting up for the next scene that hasn't even happened yet. What you need to understand is your life is a series of moments called scenes. And behind the scenes is a God who is working, setting up the next scene. I'm going to drink from that. Got to catch this. While you are living in the moment, while you are living in the scene, while you are living in the problem, there is a God in the background that has already gone before you setting up the next scene. The reason you have to know that is because if you don't, you'll think that this scene is it. This problem is it. I got myself into it, and now I've got to work it out on my own. But that's not how God works because he is good. He is faithful, and he will work it out for you if you'll turn to him. Because turning, hear this, turning away from God and walking away from God does not equal God walking away from you. Randy, come up here. I want to show you something. Do you need help or can you do this on your own? All right. Back to back. So here's what we see in our mind. It's okay. Here's what we see in our mind when we walk away from God. Here's how we think it happens. Some of us, as we walk away, in our mind, God is walking away from us. We think that as we move away from God, he turns his back 
on us, like Gideon, where are you? You used to be with us, but now you're not. That's not how it works. Here's how it actually works. All right, turn around. As I walk away from God, are y'all following me? As I walk away from God, that's why David can say in Psalm 139, where can I go to get away from the Spirit? Where can I go to escape the presence of God? My solution is not far away. My solution is standing there waiting for me to simply turn around, and he's already worked it out for me. Before Midian ever showed up, God had already created Gideon to save them from the problem that they created for themselves. Before sin ever entered into the world, God already had a Savior who was the solution. That's why we call him the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. I am preaching much better than y'all responding this morning. I don't know what happened between last Sunday and this Sunday. I guess everybody went to the Presbyterian Theological Seminary and just came down. Now we're the first church of the frozen chosen. Good preacher, Jet. I'm just kidding. And if you're a Presbyterian, I love you. You're just quiet. Are you following what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get you to see is sometimes we think just because we have messed up, there is no hope. But what I want you to hear this morning is God is bigger than the problems that find us, and He is bigger than the problems we create. And if we'll just turn, back. When we return to him, he responds to us. As soon as Israel returned and cried out to God, God started working on their behalf. The prodigal son, he left his home. He spent it all he finds himself in a predicament that he has put himself in. Again, it wasn't because of his father. It was because of him. But the Bible says that while he's in this moment, he comes to his senses. And that's the moment that we all have to come to at some point in time or another when we have a problem or an issue that we are stuck in. We've got to come to our senses. The, the, the issue is sometimes we don't. Sometimes we feel like because I walked away from God and got myself into this, then God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And what happens is we stay in the pig pen. We, we hide from God instead of drawing close to God. And that's a trick of the enemy to keep you in the pig pen. But when the son comes to his senses, he says, you know what, I'm going to go back to my father's house. Because there his servants are eating better than me. So I know he's not going he, he, to take me back as a son. I've already blown that. But maybe he'll let me be a servant in his house. So the son starts making his way back home. He's playing through his mind the speech he's going to give his father. He's rehearsing everything that he's done, hoping that his father will just let him back in the house. As a servant, and as he draws close to the property, he sees his father standing there with outstretched arms. And the father runs to greet the son. 
and he rejoices and says, let's throw a party because my son has come home. Not a servant, not an outcast, my son. And he gives him the signet ring and he, he slaughters the fatted calf. Are, are you getting this? That's what God does. And the prodigal story is your story and my story because we have all turned away from God and headed in the wrong direction. And he's waiting for us to just turn back. That's, that's all there is to it. You don't have to do all these Hail Marys. You don't have to go dip yourself in Altoona seven times. You don't have to go build an orphanage. You don't have to fix everything. You don't have to stop your addiction. You don't have to cut your hair. You don't have to stop wearing makeup. You don't have to take your earrings out. You don't have to cover up your tattoos. Whatever it is in your mind that you think is separating you from God and keeping you from relationship with him, you don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is turn around, see Jesus, move towards Jesus, and as you move towards him, he's moving towards you. Whose hand are you in? Because the quality of your life will be determined by the quality of whose hand you are in. And I am thankful for the goodness of God. I am thankful for the mercy of God that found me, that pursued me, that loved me before I loved him, that died for me while I was still yet in my sin. He didn't wait for me to fix something before he died. He died while I was still in my sin. I didn't deserve it, but he pursued me. And you need to know that every day of your life, God is pursuing you. And if you turn to him, he can turn it around. Whatever you've gotten yourself into, God can turn it around if you'll turn to him.